So I uh, have the, the great privilege and honor of, of introducing Chuck, who's coming up any second. I'm going to, but I get, I get a bit, I get a better intro than that. Um, <laughs> Chuck McCallum, um, just truly, truly uh, a beautiful, beautiful man. I don't say that very often, but you are. Um, I mean it, just a beautiful heart, beautiful spirit. And, um, and he so carries um, the father's heart uh, and the ki- a kingdom heart. And so um, a while back when um, I mentioned to Chuck, Chuck and I get together a lot because he, most of you know he's on the board of Blazing Fire, which is how cool is that? Because Chuck's also a, a pastor of another church, Psalm 84. Um, but Chuck also is a CEO of a company, a very successful company in Livermore. And when we were, I was talking with Chuck because we meet often and do just talk about life and stuff. And I mentioned we were going through the book of Acts. He said, months ago, he said, when you get to Acts chapter 6, you know, if if, if you got space, you know, I'd love to teach on on a specific thing. I said, done. When we get there, you're you're in. And so I'm really excited about what he's going to share tonight um, about the kingdom and about the marketplace. I'll let him share more. Um, but I'm just, I guess I'm telling you a little bit ahead of time so that you know his heart, so that you know, um, I'll just say his qualifications, though those all come from heaven, right? I mean, he's God's son. That's his biggest qualification. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, you know, just feel like God has knit our hearts so deeply in such a short time. I always forget how long it's been, but maybe five years, six years. I don't remember anymore. And uh, but God's just taken us so deep, so it is just such a great honor. Um, and I know you're going to receive from this. So open up your hearts, open up your minds. Let let Holy Spirit f- fill you with the truth that's going to come from His Son Chuck McCallum. Can we honor Chuck? Yeah. He he said he didn't mention my wife Linda. But Linda's home with the grandkids. Our our uh, daughter and son-in-law are here from Orlando, Florida, and she gets time with the grandkids. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I feel really relaxed. That's good, and um, I feel really loved after feeling the presence so strong. I feel like the presence is. The presence of the Holy Spirit is actually accelerating here. I could feel, you know, I've been here so many times. I've felt the Father's love so much in this place. But I feel like there's something greater I experienced tonight. So let's just put our hands out. We thank you for the greater. I'll just move that behind me. Then I won't trip on it. See, that's the Father's love, too, so you don't trip on things. So, Father, I just pray that you would just provide an increase tonight um, of your Father's love. Thank you, God, that um, you have so many appointments in this room. There are so many beautiful people here. And that um, there's so much love here. And that they've cultivated so much love in this place. I pray that love would increase in the room. Thank you for bringing that angel that's in the room that that carries so much love. 
that guards this place. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you just reveal your goodness and your love tonight to every individual. That they feel your presence. Whoa, there it goes. More, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Is there a right elbow in pain right now? Right elbow. Right elbow. I hear right elbow. No right elbow? Okay, I heard right elbow. So, Lord, I just pray that you heal bodies tonight and that you just restore um, families tonight. All the good things that you've been doing in my life, I pray over this whole group of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Acts chapter 6. But Acts chapter 6 is after 1 through 5. And wasn't 1 through 5 really fun? To, I mean, my gosh. After the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, man, when Pentecost hit in chapter 2, that's great. 120 people hanging out in a room, like, kind of like this, about a... 120 people, and God shows up and changed their lives. You know, it, he shows up, he changes their lives, and he reveals his goodness to all these people. And they, they feel his goodness so strongly, they all start to laugh, and they look like drunk people, because they're all kind of laid out on the floor, or, you know, there was a sound from heaven that came down, everybody heard it, so they all gathered around this sound, and uh, and there was incredible impact that started, and they went from 120 to 3,000 people. It changed in a moment, and I think that's that. Those types of miracles are actually going to increase in the stages time ahead. I'm I'm hearing amazing stories. I was just in Brazil with a woman from Switzerland. She started a small group in her home. Forty people. They now have 400 people there. Joan Moody's going to minister there this next week. But Alma, if you hear me, I don't know if we're on Facebook Live, but Alma, if you hear me, bless Switzerland. And we're coming to get good chocolate here soon. (laughs) We went to, uh, I was just in Brazil, and in Brazil, uh, Ed Roca just built, some of you remember Ed Roca from the first Jesus Awakening that we did here in 2015. Uh, Ed did a Jesus Awakening in Brazil and invited us to come. And so Joanne and I came and we, we brought a team with us. And God showed up really powerfully. And I got to spend a lot of time with Randy Clark. I had never had like a lunch or a long time with Randy Clark. And we got to talk about the old vineyard days. And uh, he said, yeah, you got saved in the vineyard when Toronto was still was part of the vineyard. Like... Between 1980 and 1984, in the Vineyard Christian Fellowship, it was just like Toronto. And and Randy goes, I missed that part. He said, "My there were, even I didn't get to go to the 84 and 85 when we, when you went to England. And he said, but what you experienced is exactly what we experienced in 1994 in the early Vineyard when you encountered Lonnie Frisbee and that move of God started in the Vineyard. And out of the Vineyard... Amazing things happened. Out of Toronto, amazing things happened. It only takes a moment. It only takes a moment to change your your destiny and where you're going. And the book of Acts reminds us of what God can do in a moment. How he can take 
our intimacy with him and turn it into something that affects a whole city, that affects a whole empire. The Roman Empire was shifted. Our lives were shifted because of the book of Acts. So now you've moved to chapter 6 in the book of Acts. And uh, what I like about this is up to this point, they're just hanging out in Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem and they're at the temple. They've been united together. There's this incredible connection that's happening with these people. They're praying and the room is actually shaking as a result. But in chapter 5, you you find out, hey, it's there's a little bit of a scary thing with God too. Like, like you, you need to really be an authentic person. <laughs> you know, authenticity is a real key in the kingdom of God, right? And if you're not authentic, you, you know, maybe, maybe things aren't, you know, God will actually, um, reveal himself. He so values unity, he reveals himself in such a way when people are not authentic and religion starts coming in. He doesn't want religion or inauthenticity to come into an environment. And uh, so we hear about that in chapter 5. But in chapter 6, another problem rises up. And I love this passage because we begin to see, um, we'll read it together, but we begin to see um, a problem, and from that problem, something happens that actually changes the church. It says, in those days when a number of the disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews uh, among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would be not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Then they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Wow. So, What a powerful experience. A problem arises in the church. Have you ever had any problems in the church? (laughs) The air conditioning doesn't work at Parkway Fellowship. (laughs) You're getting buzzing from the sound system. Well, they were having a problem that was actually more impactful because the church had become so united that they were supporting one another. They had everything in common. They were truly family. They, they lived in a village life. Everything they did was seen. It wasn't, it, every, it, their whole lives, it's like us coming here and seeing each other every single day. And us going over to the locker's home and having a meal. That's what the book of Acts was like. It was a village community. It's not big city as we know it today. So when we look at the book of Acts, it's, it's a totally different culture than we live in today. But all the needs are the same. The need for family, 
the need for um, support, the need for connection. And so they were taking the needs of the widows. The the widows couldn't take care of themselves. And so they were, as a group, supporting the widows who couldn't support themselves. And in this process of supporting the widows, all of a sudden, the people who speak Hebrew and the people who speak Greek are having problems with one another. Supposedly, the... the, uh, the Hellenistic Jews, which were, they were truly Jews. They were, they were from Jewish background, but they spoke Greek, you know, where the Hebrew Jews spoke Hebrew. And so there was a disconnection in unity and something was going wrong. They were, the people were focusing more on the people who looked like them and spoke like them and had a culture like them, right? Even though they were unified, there was, here is a challenge to their unity. And in the midst of, of this problem that comes out, they, they have this complaint that comes forward. And, uh, so they have a con- they need to have conflict resolution. So who do they go to? They go to the leaders of the church. <laughs> because I'm gonna go to Brent Locker and say, hey Brent, I've got a problem. Can you fix it for me? And Brent's gonna, what is Brent gonna say? Well, I'm going to go pray and minister the word. No, he, no, but he, I go to Brent and say that. But the apostles actually got wisdom from God in this situation because they heard from heaven that the problem was all of theirs, not Brent Locker's problem. It was the whole church. In fact, they came to the conclusion there was a move of God happening and they were called to something else. Versus serving tables at this point, the apostles were. Not that they couldn't serve tables. In fact, they probably would serve tables. But the Lord said, I want you to pray and I want you to preach the word at this point in time. So, so they shared that with the group and they said, hey, everybody at Blazing Fire, I want you to raise up seven people. I want to pick, have you pick up seven people to help with the sound system. <laughs> no, I want seven people to feed the widows. In this community. And you would all gather together. And and you would find the characteristics. They gave some characteristics. We'll look at that in a moment. And you'd bring those people together and say. Hey hey Brent Locker. These are the seven people. I think are called to do this. And basically that's what happened. They picked seven men. Who were full of the Holy Spirit. Full of wisdom. They were respected by other people. And they knew how to handle the business of feeding the widows. So they picked these seven men. So many times when a conflict happens, we disconnect from people, right? We look at the problem and we go, oh my gosh, especially in churches, it's the pastor's problem. I'll go to another church (laughs) because something went wrong, right? And offenses grow. And then judgment and disconnection kind of comes in, and all of a sudden, you're separated. But up to this point in the book of Acts, unity has been growing. It's been growing. It's been growing. But at at chapter 5, and we also see here in chapter 6, some problems start rising up, right? You get married, first year of marriage, it's awesome, right? Then all of a sudden, you have some conflict. That's when you realize if you're truly in covenant. Because covenant leads back to connection. Because even though you disagree about something, you begin 
to share your heart. And when you begin to share your heart in such a way that brings honor, you can go back into connection. So, uh, so what happens here is they share their heart. The 12 apostles get wisdom. And instead of a, a problem, it's an opportunity for growth. And it changes the church. It changes everything about the church. Some people say these seven people were part of the 70, that this was the beginning. This, these seven guys were part of the 70, uh, you know, that, that were out there, uh, going back to where it was. But Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, you know, you hear a lot about Stephen and Philip, and we talked about them, as, we'll talk about them in a second. But, do you know, Prochorus actually um, was a really good friend of Peter. And he actually became the bishop of this small town that is right outside of, or it was a big town at that point, uh, right side of, of Constantinople at Turkey. And he also was on the island of Patmos with John the Apostle. Some say he helped to write the book of Revelation. Amazing guy. And so he was probably full of the love. Nicanor, Timon, they all had apostolic gifts. Nicholas, we're not sure about. He may, he may have been part of the Nicolaitans that had some doctrinal problems <laughs> at a certain point because he got caught up in the world. But the rest of them, amazing group of men that made an incredible impact for the kingdom of God. So the, the first thing he says is good reputation, that they carry a testimony. People who impact the kingdom of God have a testimony. The testimony of their life. They have a reputation. You know about them when they walk into the room. Later on, we'll see that Stephen had such a testimony that he glowed. He actually glowed with the presence of God. In chapter 7, when, when they're about to stone him, they look on him. He carries so much of Holy Spirit that he's actually glowing. Have you ever been around people who are glowing? I remember just recently I was in Germany, and uh, it was Giuseppe who's here with me in the back. Say hi to Giuseppe. Giuseppe's part of Catalyst Business School. You'll see these things on the on the board up here. But we went to Germany, and, and Giuseppe was exhausted, but we were in Munich. And I, I said, Giuseppe, let's go get a coffee. So we went and got a coffee. After we got the coffee, I said, hey, there's a really cool little uh, chapel over here, and there's this little alcove. Let's go into this plaza and look at it. So me and Giuseppe go into that plaza, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden Giuseppe goes, I think that group over there is Christian. Isn't that what you said to me? You heard him praying or something? So he, he looks at me, and they look at me, and they smile, and I, and I knew they weren't just Christians, that they were from Bethel, and they were from Reading. Not for anything they said, but what they carried. They looked me in the eye. They were glowing. I felt the presence of God. I go, you're from Bethel Reading. I just said it. <laughs> and they go, yeah, how'd you know that? Because <laughs> of what you carry. When you, when you meet somebody from Blazing Fire because of the love you carry here, you will know that wherever you go. The presence of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. And so... These guys were so full of this, of, of God, they carried a testimony 
that that testimony was not just a testimony of what people knew about them, but their testimony actually went beyond that. It's what was on them. It's what they carried. It's more important sometimes what you carry than than what you teach on. So like when I'm here right now, you can experience what I carry because what I carry is God has been doing in the secret parts of my heart. And whenever somebody carries something in worship, any place, you feel those things off people, don't you? Because what you carry is really important. Your testimony is very important. So they picked seven people who had a testimony. They also picked them that were overflowing and covered with the Holy Spirit. That means they were like those drunk people in chapter 2, right? (laughs) They were overflowing. It really meant that. If you read the book of Acts, people spoke in tongues. They they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was obvious that they had something that other people didn't have who were religious. They had something that, what's going on over there? (laughs) Are they drunk? Have you been drinking, man? No. No, you just got the Holy Spirit all over you. But they, but they would see that over them. And so they carried that. When you carry the Holy Spirit in any and every environment, people will notice that. I've told this story before, but one time I was in my, I was with a group of people and they got me drunk in the Holy Spirit. The only problem is I had, it was at lunch and I was going into a business meeting afterwards at one o'clock. So I was still drunk in the Holy Spirit, and I'm walking into Kieran Wright. I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit. I'm laughing. I'm still laughing. People are looking at me, kind of odd why he's laughing. You know, people. sometimes people say, don't manifest the Holy Spirit when you're in a marketplace business setting. No, you should express the Holy Spirit if it's authentically real and it's what God's doing. Now, sometimes, sometimes you know, you, maybe it's not, but, but it was authentic. I was laughing. I couldn't do anything about it. So I'm just feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I walk into the room, and everybody starts laughing. The, the city officials from the city of Tracy were there. They were laughing. Attorneys were in the room. They were laughing. My client Prologis was there. They were laughing. Um, there, there were other people in the room. They were laughing. And then all of a sudden they looked at me and they said, why are we laughing? <laughs> and they go, it's Chuck. We're laughing because of Chuck. And, and, and so I, my response was, you know, you th- I, my response is, why are you laughing? No, I said, they go, I said, doesn't it feel good? You wouldn't understand if I told you, but doesn't it feel good? They go, yeah, it does. They had been in a disagreement, the city of Tracy and my and developer and the, the attorney for a long time. Because of that experience of laughter, they wanted to come to my conference room all the time. And we ended up negotiating a deal where you, you'll find one of the largest jobs in the in the Bay Area, 1,800 acres at Mountain House and warehouses that have been built that have provided thousands of jobs that have given salaries for people over $100,000 plus people have gotten jobs all because Holy Spirit showed up in my conference room, which created an agreement which made the deal go well for my client who then went ahead with the project. Right after the downturn. 
When you bring the presence of God into places, people will recognize it. So these guys, or these seven men, were called to overflow with the Holy Spirit. They are also called to overflow with wisdom. Wisdom, I, I, I always talk about practs, Proverbs and Acts, because I think we need to carry both. Proverbs and Acts, wisdom from heaven. Uh, there's three words that you hear a lot, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Have you ever read Proverbs? Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Okay, so knowledge is facts and information. It's the what. So you can write that down. It's the what. It's what you see. Wisdom is the proper application of, of knowledge and information. It's insight for good decisions, and it comes from our spiritual connection with Christ and our underlying value system that's in us. Whatever is in us that's at our core, whatever identity, meaning we have, whatever we worship, that out of that comes wisdom, right? Wisdom flows out of what that is in us. It's the top of the, of the iceberg, so to speak. You see it. Uh, it's the how. Wisdom is the how. And so these guys knew the how. <laughs> Sometimes you need people to know the how. You got a lot of widows that need food. There are people in the body of Christ that are called to create the how. I believe that a lot of those people are marketplace people, but it's the how. How do we do it? A lot of people know the what. Oh, they have knowledge, but they don't know how to get the tool. How we need, we need to learn how to do things because if we don't know how to do things, we won't be effective at doing the things we're called to do. And the last thing I want to mention is understanding. It doesn't mention it here, but it's mentioned in a lot of other places. In fact, in James 3.13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Right? In Proverbs, you'll see wisdom and understanding spoken together. Understanding is knowing the why. Knowledge is knowing the what. Wisdom is knowing the how. Understanding is knowing the why. And I think we need... It's the under, understanding is understanding the underlying meaning and reason about something, why something's happening. It's understanding. I think we need understanding of the world. We need understanding of why the world is the way it is. We need to have understanding of people. But we need wisdom from heaven of how to deal with it. We may understand things. We may know the why. But if we don't know how to deal with the why... And if we and what just puffs us up, <laughs> knowledge puffs up. If you know what, but you don't know how to do it, you know most of the people who know how to do it have humility because humility is an expression of making mistakes. I've learned how to do things by trying to do things. A lot of people never have, know how to try how to do things. So these guys had wisdom because they had learned the how. Okay? And so they were called to serve and do business. The business of serving the widows. I believe these were the businessmen. These were the business people that God had called. These were the marketplace people. These were the people who were called to create an impact. Sometimes people read this verse and they focus on the apostles are supposed, supposed to pray. <laughs> so our focus is on prayer and intercession. 
I agree, it should be on prayer and intercession. The 12 needed to focus on prayer and intercession. They, they're nine or 10, so if in my life I'm always asking this question, is what I'm doing right now a nine or 10, or what I'm doing is a two or three? If it's a two or three, I shouldn't be doing it. If it's a nine or 10 in my life, I should be doing it. And if it's a, a four to eight, I need to delegate it. I may need to do it at first if I'm serving somebody else because sometimes in my position now as CEO and doing certain things, I need to focus on my nines and tens. But there have been other times in my life I've done five, six, sevens, and I still do the dish. I do that a lot at home. <laughs> Linda goes, why is that a four? <laughs> it's not my four, Chuck. <laughs> so, so remember... If you have a wife whose love, whose love language is acts of service, make sure you do your fours. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so this is a process, the process of delegation and empowerment of the church. A problem arises up and they look for people who carry a testimony of good reputation. They look for people who are overflowing and covered with the Holy Spirit. They look for people who are overflowing with wisdom to know the how. And they look for people who are called to serve and do the business. And these men are promoted. They lay hands on them. And God moves in these seven men's lives in a powerful way. But he does things that they don't expect. Because you would think the book of Acts would just start talking about the widows and these men wouldn't have a testimony beyond that, that all they would be doing was serving. But their heart was to serve. When you, when you have a heart to serve and you're doing things, like I went into a, a conference room and I'm laughing, right? That same conference room, a man was healed of cancer. God wants to release signs and wonders into the marketplace. That's his heart. That's what he's after. He's, at, he's, he's looking to put us back into village life. See, there's no village anymore. At that time, there was a village. Our village now, we have to recreate our village. That's why, that's, that was like when Deborah prophesied and there was no village and it took a woman to create a village, right? She was the pro- prophet who brought village life back to Israel. We're kind of in that same place. We need village life. We need connection. We need relationship. And so we need different ways of doing things. So there are a lot of new things that are rising up that creates family and relationship and village life. And in that context, that's where the kingdom of God needs to go into dark places. Because what happens here is a whole move of God comes out of these seven men to go into dark places. The expansion of the gospel, I'll show it in a second, goes all over the world as a result of this decision right here. And you'll actually see a process that happens in the, uh, oh, that's not big enough. I don't know if we can make that big enough. Oops. I just messed up with it. I need your help again. So, see here, here. Oh, I'm back. Okay. So, I can't read that, but... Maybe I I can come up here and read it at at the top up here. So, the expansion of the church to the Gentile world and marketplace. It starts in in the first five chapters. It's in Jerusalem. And then the deacons come into being. That's an arrow down to the deacons. 
And then what happens is some crazy stuff starts happening in the chapters that follow. Stephen the martyr emerges. Stephen emerges and he becomes a martyr. And Stephen actually was an evangelist. He was preaching the gospel. He was operating in signs and wonders. He was serving the widows. And in the context of serving the widows, the Holy Spirit came onto this man's life. And he's, he's walking in the power of God because he's got wisdom and he's got Holy Spirit. He's functioning in that process, right? And Philip, the evangelist, arises up later, right? And he, he raises up and he goes to Samaria, Ethiopia, and Caesarea. All of a sudden the gospel moves out of Jerusalem and the temple. And it's all over the place because of these two of the seven men. Now we don't hear the stories of the other guys, but we do know later on they're expanded to Arabia and to Turkey and to Patmos. And they're all over the place. So they move out of, out of there. And out of this situation, even Peter, because Peter starts falling around these guys, right? Philip shows up in Samaria, and John and Peter go up there afterwards because they're praying in the prayer closet. <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit is busting out in Samaria, and healing's happening. Well, they show up, so people are baptized in the Holy Spirit because of what they've been doing in the prayer closet. They release what they've done in the prayer closet in Samaria. So you see this combination of the prayer closet moving with these guys who are the how people, the practical people who are out in the field. And God is moving powerfully. That's how the church works. So it starts happening. Out of the Stephen situation, there's a, there's a guy named Saul who shows up. And it, he looks like he's the worst thing that could have happened to the church. A man dies. Stephen dies. He dies because Saul... I don't know, Saul was part of this. They laid their clothes down at Saul, Saul there when they, when they stoned Stephen, but he's there. But out of the Saul comes an outreach into the Gentiles because of Stephen. This whole move happens. All of a sudden there's persecution. So this, these seven guys are really messing things up. Persecution spreads out because these seven men are going all over the place and preaching the gospel. I'm thinking the apostles are probably thinking, oh my gosh, it was, we already had persecution. Now it's expanding and it's getting worse than what we had before, right? It's expanding beyond that. And then, then Paul or Saul has encounter with Jesus and it changes everything. So out of this problem comes a solution. Throughout the book of Acts, we have problems and we have solutions. And the solutions come from heaven. They're, they're, they're crazy good solutions. I'm going to open up something else on here so that I can see it. And then I can, I can see it on my, on my other screen. And then that works good. Okay. So... Ooh. Are you guys enjoying this? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. So, the next thing that happens, maybe you can read this. Okay. But there's a process of growth that we see in the book of Acts. 
that comes out of the situation. So in the first five chapters, we see a conversion to Christ and people filled with the Holy Spirit. There's incredible unity. There's this incredible impact. Things happen. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Revival always happens that way. It's crazy good. And then they start experiencing this unity and connection like family. They start connecting with one another. There's this love built. It says they were of one mind, of one heart, of one soul. They were connected. Right? And then they start to expand even further. Influence, expansion, growth. In Jerusalem and um, where the temple was, they started experiencing this growth. People were afraid of even being around them because of what they carried was so powerful. But then problems and persecutions. Here's the cycle of revival. That happens and then problems and persecution happen. And in, in the first case, we see a small bit about it when we're just the problems with Ananias and Sariah, uh, Sapphira and, and then the problems with the widows. So there has to be a godly wisdom to deal with this issue. So at that point... When you start having these problems, that's when, everybody, that's when things could go the wrong direction. But what happens is they, they became opportunities for growth. They became amazing opportunities. And the seven <laughs> made it worse. <laughs> they, they solved a problem, but they made a lot more problems. Because <laughs> Philip's just like being translated all over the place. All these things are happening as a result of Stephen getting stoned. You know, these things are happening in their lives. So in that time, the leadership has a choice. They either empower, delegate, or transition. Because when, when things start happening like this, you, you, you want to pull back. The problems arise. We're just going to pull back. We're just going to hide in church. We're going to find a place where it's safe. But that's not what they did. They didn't stop the seven deacons from going out. Good fathers let their children move forward. And the apostles let them move forward. And then they, and they delegated problems that were out there that they couldn't handle themselves. Like Brent Locker can't solve all the problems of the world. Well, maybe he can through prayer. But, but, but then there was a transition. In the church, there's always transitions. Transition happens when growth occurs. And when growth starts happening, let's say this church was to triple next week, right? And you had 500 people in here. You'd have a lot of transition. Come on, 500 people here on Saturday night. So, so then, because, but when you empower, delegate, and transition right, then more salvations and more filling with the Holy Spirit starts. That's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. And it happened over and over and over again. And you'll see it happening multiple times in the book of Acts. And there's some things that like will impact you at these key things that will try to stop it. When, when you're at the point of conversion or being filled with the Holy Spirit, what will combat you is religion, legalism, unbelief. It will go after you. When you're at uh, unity and connection, competition, offense, and lack of authenticity, which will come after you. 
When your influence and expansion and growth is happening, fear will come after you. Problems and persecution, we forget that God is bigger than the problem and that God is good. He'll attack you with that. The problem is bigger than God. Okay? And then empowerment, delegation, and transition, control and consumerism. Right? Pastor controls, we go as consumers. <laughs> right? We start, we start saying, okay, there's problems here. Who am I going to blame? Instead of walking out into the environment, picking up our shovel and helping deal with the problem. Because there will be problems that we face. You'll pick up the shovel, right? Yeah. We'll work together, right? People, people run away from problems. And so God's heart is that we move from one stage to another stage. And what I believe happened with these seven guys is, I believe, is an example of what God wants to do in the church today. I believe what happened in the book of Acts is they went to darker and darker and darker places. They got persecuted. They spread out all over the Roman Empire. They went through more impossibles. And every time, God became more powerful. Because they started, every time, when you go through the problems that empower, delegate, and transition, and then start converting people to Christ and, and be, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, go after worship, get, get closer to God, transition and, and go after the Holy Spirit, and go after the Holy Spirit, and go after the Holy Spirit. Let God begin to fill you up in a new way so that you begin to go after those problems and begin to solve them. And then you'll feel the unity and connection again as, as, as you experience that in, in groups. So they did that. And I, I believe that that's our calling to marketplace is that the, the big mission field right now is outside the four walls of this church. When they were going through the book of Acts, they did not have buildings like this. They may have maybe this size. <laughs> but they didn't have these really large buildings. And people didn't have places to meet. And so you had a church that was more relational. You had more home groups or pods, as Giuseppe would call them today. But smaller opportunities of connection where people are gathered together and moving forward. To reach the world, we need to get out into the midst of the world. And God wants to take us from being a consumer. He doesn't want us to be consumers. There is a time to consume. Like, I, like if I'm in a really bad place, I'll come lay on the floor and consume all the time. I want to consume God's love fully. A consumer, a consumer, it's okay to be a consumer, but I don't think the church is made up of just consumers. Because when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, you are more than a consumer. You're a lover. And out of your life flows living water that other people experience. And that is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you carry so much love, you carry so much boldness, you carry the power. That God has placed in your life. And I've done this slide before, but I think Brent wanted me to do this slide again, which is here's what a consumer church looks like. 
A consumer church is, is, what I did here is, these are the seven mountains. And I use the analogy of seven mountains. A friend of mine calls it five spheres. But it's basically culture that's outside of the church. It's the marketplace. It's the place where people find life. They connect. They entertain themselves. They, they, they just do life. They do life in family. They do life at the school, education. They do life in business. They do life at arts and entertainment. Have you seen the latest movie? Um, arts and, they do, they, they have government. They have media. So these are, these represent the seven realms or the seven mountains of authority. And when Jesus came, he came to go into all those areas. I don't know if we had media. I guess the media was the guy who went to the village and proclaimed things at that time. There was some form of media. But village life incorporated all those types of things. And so what happens with our life a lot of times is we go out into the world. I'm, I feel all, all filled up here, being here at Blazing Fire. I'm now going to go out to the world. I'm going to go over to Karen Wright right now. And I'm going to run into a very difficult person at Karen Wright. And he's going to cuss at me. Seriously, he's going to cuss at me. Client's going to get upset at me, right? And I'm prophetic, and so I'm a feeler, so I'm going to feel what he's got. Oh, there, all these things are starting to happen. I have a client at, at you know, Google that gets upset at me. I, have, I make a mistake. Oh, yeah, I'm, I make mistakes. I, I, I make a mistake. Sometimes it's not just them. I make a mistake. And then they, they get on me. So now, all of a sudden, I start feeling discouraged. So I want to go back to church. <laughs> Especially if church is a safe place. Because, because I haven't learned how to carry the culture of heaven inside of me in those places. The goal is for me to carry the culture of heaven in those places. Even in my weakness. If I can carry Jesus into every dark place, that's what I'm called to do. I love going into dark places and carrying Jesus, right? Going down on the street and praying for people and prophesying over individuals. I, I've seen healing on the street. We, we just, we had Chris Overstreet here last week and I, one of the guys who was with me said, oh, I think we're supposed to pray for a blind eye. And I said, that's funny. I'm looking at a store. I felt like we were supposed to go into the optical where they sell glasses across the street. So we walked over there, and I looked for somebody with bad eyesight. Well, it wasn't hard to find that in a glass store. We actually found a guy who'd been blind in his right eye since he was a young man, and we began to pray for him. And he began to receive healing in his right eye. He didn't receive it completely, but he could start reading a sign on the back, and he hadn't been able to do that before. So then we were able to offer the gospel to him, right? So that is moving against, moving in the marketplace, taking an opportunity and carrying Jesus. So my next slide is the influential church, right? We have an influential church. The church is called to be a hospital, but what if the hospital expanded its borders, what if the church was really two or three gathered and they, and they showed up in, the church showed up all over the place. He, he showed up at Starbucks or he showed up at a women's group where they're just meeting or he showed up at your work or he showed up at the Giants game or he showed up 
um, playing golf on the golf course. I actually had him do that once. There was a guy with me. I was with a bunch of real estate brokers, and this one guy was his back hurt. And he wasn't telling anybody that, and you couldn't even really tell that his back hurt. But I, I asked the Lord, everybody's really drunk there. And I thought, this is not where I want to be right now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm having fun, but I'm like, but it's, it's just real estate brokers. And so, <laughs> sorry, but they, they like to party. So they're, they're partying. And I said, how do I bring the Holy Spirit into this atmosphere? He goes, pray for the guy's back. Oh, does it, he doesn't look like he has a hurt back. Pray for his back. So I, I walk over to this guy from McShane Construction and I said, hey, how's your back doing? He goes, how do you know about my back? Is the pain right here? Yeah, the pain's right there. He goes, I've been hiding that. I've had that since I was 17 years old. I had a diving accident and, and so, People have come up to me so many times that I just, I, I just don't want to appear that I'm in pain, but I'm always in pain. I said, okay, while we were driving to the putty green, I prayed for his back and he got healed. But you know what happened? The whole golf course changed. I don't know if it was me, but the whole atmosphere of the golf course changed when I brought heaven into that situation. See, that's what you do in marketplace. You're bringing heaven in because now you become the influential church. You've been empowered. You're bringing five-fold ministry. Five-fold ministry occurs in the dark places. It doesn't occur here. Evangelists are not usually, evangelists are here to train, yes. But five-fold ministry happens outside the five walls of the church, four walls of the church. The pastors shepherd people outside in their homes, in real life where things are happening. You go to dark places. You bring cultural change. This is what happened in the book of Acts. This is how the Roman Empire got shaken and changed. They went everywhere. They went all over the place because they were so filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not, they were unashamed of the gospel wherever they went. It was a part of who they were. They weren't ashamed to say, Hey, have you ever experienced the Father's love before? Can I pray for you? <laughs> God loves you so much. You're Papa's favorite, right? So God, they had no, they, and, and Reformation and Renaissance happened, right? Empowerment happened, attraction. You know, they were the most attractive people in the room. Look at your neighbor, neighbor and tell them you're the most attractive person in this room. You're hot. <laughs> you're beautiful, right? Well, if Stephen glowed, you glow. And when you start carrying Holy Spirit without shame, you begin to glow. You carry that presence. And now the hospital has become the hospital for everyone. And the, the consumer church has become the influential church. And I believe that what, what happened with the Reformation, the church was kind of in the world, but they were so controlling that when the Reformation happened, they backed off. Because the Catholic church had become controlling instead of influential. Influence does not control your freedom. There were two trees in the Garden of Eden, and freedom is a key for the kingdom of God to expand in a healthy way. 
When control comes in, it hinders. That's, that's, that's the darkness. That's one of the fruits of a religious spirit. The other fruit of the religious spirit is, is being to disconnected from those you're called to reach. If you're disconnected from the world because you're so angry at them and offended all the time, then you need a new encounter with Jesus Christ. Because this is the stuff that will happen. This is leadership empowerment is what happened in this chapter 6. This is where the fivefold ministry started because they started seeing giftings outside of themselves. The apostles started the rest of the, the fivefold ministry. The evangelists showed up in the next couple of chapters because they started calling the people to do the ministry. They started raising up. In fact, they had the people raise up their own leaders. <laughs> you know what I mean? They actually empowered them. And so that they're, and as fivefold raises up in a church, then we become unified by human, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, whom the whole body joined ahead together, together by every joint which it is equipped. When each part is proper, working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We have not gotten to the full measure of the stature of Christ yet. So let's go do it. Let's go, let's go, let's get drunk tonight in the Holy Spirit. And let's become empowered servants who are interdependent, not dependent or independent. Interdependent is connected with one another, but dependent means, oh, I, I just need your help, Russ. <laughs> you know, but he, Russ, I want to be interdependent with Russ. I, I, I want to experience that interdependency with him. Right? The body of Christ is called to do that. And what do empowered sons and daughters look like? They, they have their identity from Christ. They're thermostats instead of thermometers. They're baptized in love and power. They're united in love with other believers. They're able to see beyond the pain of this world. They're kings and queens that are servants. Truly empowered people don't have to have other people empower them. They They don't need it because they already know who they are. They already know what God has made them to be. Has this been good? Okay. Why don't you guys all stand up? And and why don't the Blazing Fire prophetic team come up, if you guys could come up. And Giuseppe, come up as well. Um, Before we have a minister, though, if you guys are interested in more kingdom stuff, we're going we're gonna to hand out some cards about our Catalyst Business School. And, and if you are, if we can get a couple people to hand them around. And then we can hand these around. But we, we actually meet on the second Saturday of every month. And we'd love to have you come. This Saturday is free for all, any of you who want to come. It's just a gift for you to come to the school. So you still have to register. So where do you register? You just go to catalystca.com forward slash free. Say that again? Catalystca.com forward slash free. And what happens? 
And then you just fill out your name and information, and you're locked and loaded. Okay. Get all the information emailed to you automatically. I feel like there's a, the, I, I'm just feeling like um, there's a baptism of love and encouragement for you guys to, to move into. And if it, So if there's anybody who feels like they need a greater baptism of the Holy Spirit at this point in time, feel like the Lord's prompting you, I encourage you to come up. I just feel like there's, there's just a release of a greater baptism of love for boldness in the marketplace that God's going to release on people tonight. Amen. Yeah, you can come forward if you come forward if you want a greater baptism of boldness for the marketplace. I'm not always good at orchestrating these things. Cuz I'm like squirrel, I'm a squirrel. I just talk about stuff. But I'm going to have Giuseppe sing a song over you. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. Today is God. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. Today. Thank you, Lord. So we're just gonna we're just gonna go around and prophesy and just pray for you guys, just where you're at. So us and the team are just gonna minister to each one of you as we see the Holy Spirit ministering. Just open yourself up to Holy Spirit, and if anybody on the team wants to receive instead of give, that's cool too. So just open up your hands. So Jesus, we ask that you'd fill people up with your Spirit right now for the new thing that you're doing. I pray for the people in the room who have been facing different types of problems. I pray for the the new deacons in this room for the marketplace. The Lord's all over her right now. The Lord's all over you for the new season that's ahead for your life. He's all over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.